Let me pray. Our gracious God and Heavenly Father, I, I do give you thanks that uh, in the midst of all this, you are sovereignly in control, uh, and that tonight we can gather with joy as we listen to your word. Speak to us, Lord. Um, speak to our hearts. Tonight is a passage where our identity is being challenged, and especially our attitudes are being challenged. And so uh, speak to us in Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. I'd like to uh, pick up from where I finished last Sunday. Uh, last Sunday, I, I mentioned the three idols that confront a lot of churches today, and those idols are individualism, intellectualism, and institutionalization or institutionalism. And if you have no idea what I'm talking about, go back and listen to last week's uh, sermon. Uh, it, it is, again, one of those things where we come back to what is our identity. But I like to use these three headings uh, as kind of a lens for which to look at this story. And so we begin with the individual. So the individual in the story uh, located in the Gospel of John chapter 5 is, of course, uh, the invalid man. Uh, and when we come to see this invalid man, we were first introduced to him in the story. Uh, the story is located in this place called the Pool of Bethesda, near the Sheep Gate. Uh, and the interesting thing about the Sheep Gate, this pool, is that up until the 1890s, many of the people who read the Bible at that time thought that it did not exist. This is a fiction. Right? Uh, until the 1890s, when archaeologists dug up this pool and they found that while well, this is a real place, there actually were five covered colonnades. Uh, and they found out that the pool was uh, tidal. In other words, there will be water movement in the pool based on the tides. And it was believed that the water had healing properties. And so if you have your NIV Bible on your phone or a paper Bible, you will notice that at the end of verse 3, in some manuscript, there's a little note because the scribe will try and explain some of these things. He says sometimes some of the manuscript in the Bible has uh, some, from time to time, an angel of the Lord will come and stir the water. So it looks like a little bit of, it looks like a whirlpool. And when that happens, I think, you know, minerals were being brought up. And th there is a tradition, therefore, that this pool has healing property every time the water is stirred. So such is the context that we encounter this individual, this man who had not been able to move for 38 years. But what is my point? My point is that when we think about this story, right, if you just imagine this is a fiction, then you go, oh yeah, it's a story. But if it's an actual place, then this is a real person, a person who can't move for 38 years it's quite frustrating, I imagine. Um, Val and I saw, met a friend on Friday, just Friday last. We met a lady friend who was there. She was there. And as I was talking about my sermon, she said, I, was, I remember being there, and as I was walking down those steps, it dawned upon her that the Bible is real, that it is a real place. Jesus was a real person. And this invalid man, paralyzed for 38 years, was real. Now, we all might know someone who fit that description, isn't it? 
Uh, what, it, what, what makes this point so pertinent is that this makes this story painful and maybe relevant. See, according to most psychologists, there are three fundamental questions that are foundational to a person's well-being. Uh, these questions are who we are, what are we here for, and where do we belong? In other words, it is about our identity, our purpose, and our significance. And how we answer those questions individually shapes our perspectives in life, shapes our identity. And we're going to see, and we, we might have to think about how this man answers those questions. How does he define himself? Did anyone notice, as you, were, you, know, as you listen to the Bible being read, even as you're glancing on the passage now, did anyone notice something odd about this invalid man, this paralyzed man for 38 years? There's something not quite fitting, not quite right in his response to Jesus. Uh, have a look at it, right? So uh, chapter 13, verse 15 is a clue. The man was healed. This man who was healed had no idea who it was, for Jesus had slipped away into the crowd that was there. Later, Jesus found him at the temple and said to him, See, you are well again. Stop sinning, or something worse may happen to you. The man went away and told the Jewish leaders that it was Jesus who made him well. Did it strike you as odd? Maybe. At first, I thought it was the fact that he dubbed Jesus in, right? It's the classic saying of no good deed goes unpunished. Jesus was doing something great, and what did he get? He got backstabbed. Right? Maybe it was that, but I think there was a bit more than that. Right? Again, have a look at this sentence, the last two sentences. Jesus says, stop sinning, or something worse may happen to you. And, of course, the man didn't listen to that and sin against the Son of God. Uh, it took me a while to put my finger on what's going on in this passage. Something wasn't quite right here. And then I got it. Right? What was interesting for a man who had been paralyzed for 38 years, right? really frustrating, you imagine yourself being you know, paralyzed, unable to move for 38 years, and all of a sudden you, someone healed you and you don't feel thankful or happy at all. That's weird, isn't it? There is something fundamentally not clicking, right? doesn't fit well in this passage. It is the lack of gratitude and thankfulness in this entire episode that for me, that is really, really striking. I think it gives us an, a window into the psyche of this, this man who has been an invalid for 38 years, right? So I think here is a man who sees lives in the deficit, Life is always about what he couldn't do, what someone else didn't do for him. It, it just listen to the whole story again, right? You want to get, well, yeah, I can't move and somebody else always get in and nobody wants to move me. Life in the deficit, right? That's his identity, his purpose, his significance. It's all about what he couldn't do, what he hasn't done and what nobody else was willing to do it for him. Listen again, right? So someone finally came and helped him. You would imagine that this, this would be a great thing, uh, except that he, he, 
Jesus managed to get away. This guy just let him walk, walked away. Uh, verse 7, uh, Sir, I have no one to help me into the pool and the water is stirred. When I'm trying to get in, someone else goes ahead. Sorry, that's the verse I'm trying to talk about, the fact that he's in deficit. Right? But this one, right? Once he was cured, he picked up his man and walked. The day on which this took place was a Sabbath. And a Jewish leader said to him, uh, who had been healed, it's the Sabbath. The law of the land means that on Sabbath, you're not supposed to work. And carrying a mat in that context was interpreted as work. Uh, but this man had no idea who healed him. How amazing is that? Someone healed you, and you just walk away. You know, I, I don't know. But what he was trying to say was, this is not my problem, right? Because the man who made me well said to me, pick up your mat and walk. Here is a man who had not moved for 38 years. Jesus healed him instantaneously. He did not think to thank Jesus for healing him. He didn't thank Jesus when it happened. He didn't thank Jesus again the second time when Jesus found him. All right, so this man's sin, when Jesus says, you know, stop sinning, this man's sin was not that he was invalid for 38 years. All right, those sort of things happen. And Jesus wasn't suggesting that his illness was the result of his wrongdoing. I don't think that was the case. The text suggests in verse 3 that there were a great number of disabled people waiting to get in the pool. What's happening to him happens a lot. This man's sin, I think, was a lack of gratitude and thankfulness, which is why the account is so sad. Here is a person who is so focused on what is wrong in his life. Who is to blame? That when something good happened, he didn't recognize it. There was no thankfulness, no gratitude. Friends, my question to you tonight is this. Do you know someone like that? And an even better question is, are you someone like that? Are you so focused on trying to fix a problem in your life, you only see the things that's not working, that you forget to be thankful for whatever else that is working? Up. We may not be physically handicapped ourselves, but I don't think we need to be. And I think all of us can relate to this mindset, isn't it? Uh, that, that sort of mindset where, you know, it, it really is not understanding our identity from who God has created us. We're created in God's image, and God may have a purpose for our suffering, that we belong to Him, that our significance in life, right, our purpose in life comes in glorifying Him, our significance comes from belonging to him. Now, God doesn't heal all handicaps. That's not Jesus' ministry. There were a lot of people in that pool that didn't get healed. Interesting, isn't it? I know of many people, you know, who are suffering. You know, they, they have mental illness other kind of disabilities. But I've also seen them being very, very thankful for their entire experience. So it's not about what happened to us, isn't it? It's about how we choose to deal 
with it. That's the sin. When we choose to ignore God, when we choose to kind of focus on the things that are not working, Jesus is asking this man to repent, stop sinning, or something worse might happen to you, right, to him. Now, we could ask, what could be worse than being invalid for 38 years? How about missing out on the blessing of God because you are so focused on trying to fix the problem or trying to blame someone for the problem? How about being so negative that we can only see what others are doing or not doing instead of how we might contribute to the situation? Then there is no growth. Jesus is asking all of us to, to repent if that's us. There's a saying that says, don't let what you can't do stop you from doing what you can. Now, this man can't control his movements. We know that. But he can control his attitudes and his approach to life. He can be thankful. So the Father's work is internal, right? God wants to change and transform us on the inside. It's not just on the outside. We often focus on the outside. But Jesus wants change on the inside. Jesus wants to transform us so that our hearts can be right before him. Repent, believe in Jesus, even when he doesn't give you what your heart desires. You see, sometimes our heart doesn't know what it wants. Sometimes our heart wants things that are not good for us. And so, yep, so remember the three, three framework, individualism, intellectualism, institutionalization. Well, we, we, we touch on an individual. Let's focus on the intellectualism and the institutionalism. So that's the other group of people. Interesting. Um, so the, the, the Pharisee, I mean the Jewish leaders. So because Jew, Jesus was doing these things on the Sabbath, these things being good things, healing people, the Jewish leaders began to persecute him. In his defense, Jesus said to them, my father is always at work to this very day and I too am working. For this reason, they tried all the more to kill him. Not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. The Jewish leaders were good guys who missed the point. They're good guys. You know, in the, if you know the biblical history, there were people who were trying to bring Israel back from corruption. They were very focused on getting Israel back on obedience to the law, which is what, which is what God commanded. Uh, the only problem is that they added to the law, right? God says, do not work on Sabbath. They were so zealous to, in keeping that that they added all these other requirements. They interpret it in a way that, you know, makes it very rigid. Right? So carrying a mat means working. And there's a few other thousand rules, if you can look it up. It became very, very rigid. They forget that what, that what, Sabbath, what, what the Sabbath was about. Sabbath was about relationship. Um, and so in reply, Jesus says, right, Jesus says to them in his defense, my father is always at work. To this very day, I too am working. Very profound statement that Jesus is saying here. Right, Jesus said, my father is Right, present tense, at this moment, even as Jesus was talking to them, my father is working. 
Right now, as I'm speaking to you, God is working. I believe that. And so, present tense, my father is working up until this point, that, that time reference there in, in the original language. The sense is that God has not stopped. Profound statement because we know, if you know your Bible, you go back to the creation account, right? The Bible tells this story, which is where we start, that when God created the world, he made it in six days in poetry language. The seventh day was special. All right, seventh day, God had finished his work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. I mean, then God blessed the seventh day, made it holy because he rested from all the work of creating. The work of creation is finished. It is. The seventh day is interesting because that's the only day in that passage that doesn't have an ending, right? Every other day has a beginning and an end, you know, the first day, the second day. And because there isn't an ending, we believe that while well, God is still at rest in one sense, and that God's people enter into God's rest by trusting in God. And so if you believe in Jesus, you are entering God's rest. How beautiful is that? No, there are a lot of tired people out there. But Jesus says God is also working. And I'll try and figure that together. My understanding of it is God's creation, God's work of creation is finished, but the ongoing work of being in a relationship with God is not. Because our relationship is broken. God works to restore that. That's his work. And that's the work that he's asked Jesus to do. So God has been at work, no longer in creation, but maybe in the new creation. Right? We are being made new in the image of God. And so what Jesus was doing, this invalid man needed to be saved, not just healed. It wasn't just a physical healing that he needed. It was actually an attitude, a heart change that he needed. This invalid man needed to be safe from his sinful attitudes. Um, so how did intellectualism fit in? Well, the Jewish leaders loved God's word. They, they studied it really hard. And yet Jesus says that the problem is that they, they, they searched for God in the scriptures, but they did not find him because they did not combine it with faith and trust. Instead, they focus on minute details of, you know, do's and don'ts. They are not applying the knowledge of God, right? So, again, listen to how Jesus speaks of it. Jesus knows God. Jesus is God. And yet the way Jesus described God is personal. My Father Oops, where am I? Jesus said to them, my father is always at work to this very day, uh, and so I, I am too. I too am working. See, again, Jesus stands out against the individual and the group that is, you know, institutionalized. Jesus himself is the individual. Uh, he, he knows who he is. He knows his purpose. He knows his sense of belonging. And he understands suffering. He understands that his role was to glorify God. And at the same time, Jesus knows scriptures and loves God, and he stands against. Again, he's not like the Jewish leader. He has some of the harshest words for those 
who are so focused on the wrong thing. So you could see that actually the invalid man, as well as the Jewish leaders, were focused on the wrong thing. They have something in common, isn't it? A man was healed. That's a good thing. And yet they both couldn't rejoice and be thankful about it. This passage brings a lot of repentance for me. Right? As, I, as, I, as God speaks to my heart, as I think through what God is trying to say to me, I, I see my, my own heart being exposed here. Sometimes my heart can be so focused on trying to fix a problem that I missed out on what God is doing. It's a constant reminder. And therefore, it's good to have a Mission Sunday, in my opinion, so that our eyes are lifted again to see what God is doing. I'd like to pray for us. And again, I want to challenge you, you know, so to think about God's purpose, because that's where we get our purpose, who God is and what God is doing and his family, and then we'll find our identity. I'll pray and then we'll see if we have questions. Our Heavenly Father, we, we come and feel sorry for this man who is invalid, invalid for, uh, for, for 38 years, paralyzed. And yet we also know that we have a choice to make. That rather than blame or be depressed, we can choose to be thankful. And again, I know you're not going to heal everyone, and praise God, we, we give you thanks if you do choose to heal some of us. But when, even if you don't choose to heal us, we want to follow you. Please help us. In your son's name we pray. Amen.